All right. Hey, everyone. This is Faye from Faye's World Media, and I'm going live for the third day in a row. And today we're going to talk about how to start, specifically how to start as a content creator. This happens to be one of the most popular questions, I would say one of the most popular questions that come up. People fear about uh, starting something new, which is not unusual. Um, but here I am with Adam Lefford from fullstackdeveloper.com. Adam has been with me on this phase world journey since the very beginning, and he's been busy with his other types of work. But recently we started working on a few client projects, which brings back some of the earlier memories of starting phase world. And now we're able to really transfer that knowledge um, to a lot of other people, including our dear friend, Gustavo Serafini, who started Enabled Disabled podcast earlier this year. So Adam, welcome to join me live. Good to be here, fun time. Yeah, so I want to dive right in and anybody who's watching right now, please leave us comments and I'm able to monitor that. And if anything, Adam, don't worry, I'm gonna relay those questions back to you as needed. So um, yeah, let's actually hop right on to the fear of people not wanting to start content creation. I hear the comments of, I don't want to be judged by my boss, my colleagues. I hear a lot about families, especially, you know, immigrant families in general. I want to pursue art, music. I don't want them to notice. I know that's not the route I am, you know, my parents really uh, set me to do. So what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Like fear about judgment and kind of this outside force, external force to prevent us from doing something new? It's something I've, I've obviously experienced myself and I've spoken with a lot of people about. And I think the first thing to do when either think about a fear of your own or, or sharing ideas with others is to kind of break them into two categories, which doesn't end it, but I think allows you to approach it. So for me, there's the actually something terrible could happen category, which for me is like jumping out of an airplane or riding a motorcycle. I know some people can do that safely. I've done it once and realized it was not for me. So things that could actually damage you physically, financially, or in your community, and other things that are phobias. And I'm not a medical person, but just to put a word on it. And identifying that something is an irrational fear doesn't make it go away, but I do think you deal with an irrational fear different than you deal with something that could actually cause you real harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And you know, I think here specifically, we're talking about people wanting to create something and put it out there in the formats of uh, video, uh, videos or audios. So, um, so I wonder, you know, why people have such concern. I think here are some of my own theories. One is, I think today the market is so flooded with what's considered best advice, how to go viral, uh, what not to do. And I think a lot of creators send the message out you know, with good intentions. Some of those are clickbaits and that are kind of saturating our minds in terms of when will I feel mentally, physically ready, the right mindset, the all the right tools. I'm really worried that I finally committed to doing this and my first step forward is going to set, my, set myself back. Uh, I'm making a mistake even before I get started. So I think I want to just jump right in and acknowledge that right away, that there is such a myth I think it's a myth of finding the perfect path forward. Um, and my personal experience, I know this is my experience, may not translate or speak to everyone else's. But really, for me to get started with podcasting seven years ago, with YouTube two years ago, it's about having fun. It's about trying something new, 
without giving myself all that pressure, all the goals and milestones, such as I must hit 10,000 subscribers. Um, I must achieve, you know, a minimum of a few thousand downloads per episode or else this whole endeavor is a waste of time. So that was something that even though at the time, a lot of people really disagree with me, especially established content creators. Um, but that goal-free living, thanks to Steven Shapiro, really helped me in the long run. Yeah, I feel like there's there's two ways to go with that too. I, I, you know, I, was, I was there when you started Phase World and I remember all the different emotions and, and hopes and dreams that went along with it. And it's been a lot of fun along the way. I feel like there's a couple ways, seems like everything's two, but there's a couple ways to approach that too. One mm -hmm. is you could take that sort of, you know, I'm a big Tony Robbins student and fan to say, I'm going to make such a massive effort. I'm going to take massive action because then I'll get such a big result. And then that'll feed back on me. And that can work for some people. And I've done that in some things where like, like guitar, I've just gone into it whole hawk. But other people, that's just an excuse not to get started. Or when they do take a massive action, they sort of get a blowback, whether it's from their boss or their spouse or or you know whoever. So there's a gentleman whose book I I put the web page up so I could bump over to it. It's called the 15 Second Principle. The gentleman's name is Al Secunda, S-E-C-U-N-D-A. Read the book like 20 years ago and it really stuck with me. And he said, look. 15 seconds. If you really want to start a new thing, whether it's weight loss or making money or, you know, being a force in your community, just write yourself a little slip of paper saying you'll do it 15 seconds a day. And that's mm -hmm. really all it takes. And you say, well, you know, how could that be? Because if you can't give it 15 seconds, nothing else really matters. And if you do give it 15 seconds, you'll be amazed that things will start get rolling. And when I've gently asked close friends like, hey, ma'am or miss or sir or whatever, could you just do that? And they don't do that. You know, they're not even in the game. If you literally, no matter how, how many kids you have or how big your fancy your job is, everyone's got 15 seconds. Yeah. I think there's so much more to the 15 seconds about building a habit. And I'm not even making an argument whether it's healthy, unhealthy, right? But that habit is something I feel like I develop it over time. There goes the oh, I'm really busy, you know, I was in my 20s and I don't have time, I was so busy and everything I wanted to do had to then translate to something else. And I know for a lot of us, like monetary concerns uh, is something that is top of mind. I know it's, it's hard to uh, admit that, or it's hard to talk about it, but it's okay. I think we can be honest with one another that, you know, in the past few years, I worked with a lot of podcasters and I, I still do, but I noticed that a lot of my, and in general, that category of my clients are shrinking. The reason is that I find it challenging to not open up that money conversation. Everybody wants to have a, oh, I, I know I'm doing something really great. I want to have a bigger impact, but if I'm not making money and I'm spending four, six, eight, ten 10 hours every week working on this, people get deflated uh, really soon. So um, what are your thoughts on that, Adam, with people wanting to translate their effort earlier on to the amount of money that they want to make to justify that endeavor? So that's a big topic. Maybe we'll pick up, pick up some of it later. But a few of the thoughts are that it depends on what you're doing, right? If you're doing your art and we borrow these ideas from Seth Godin, if you're going to, for most people, even though we know some professionals, sing, dance and act, you're probably not going to get paid. So for, I'm thinking of one close friend in particular, but if you really love to do art, if you really love to play your guitar, just go play, you know, do the mm -hmm. open mic night, 
adding money to it might make it worse, might make it not fun, or you may not want to go through what people go through. On the flip side, um, you want to pick something that people want. So I think there are possibilities, and we've worked with a lot of people. If people truly, without you pressuring them, want what you're selling, and when you talk to them about it, they say, when can I have it? You might be able to, and that's something that you focus on in your work. I'd sort of pass that back to you. A, a big part of Phase World has mm. been, how do I make this funky thing into a business? But my last thing on that would be that business is not different. I mean, I've been in business for 40, 50 years, 40 years uh, since high school. Business is just people plus money. That's it. And the people part's more important. Uh, mm -hmm. So how has Phase World, you know, what are a few examples of how Phase World has taken somebody with an odd or special kind of a unicorn skill and and made it part of their financial life? How has that has that succeeded? Mm. Yeah. You know, what I have learned uh, throughout my creative journey, there are a lot of unexpected lessons. And we earlier during the status call, you know, we talked about uh, with a client that how easy it is to transfer that information to go, you know, in retrospect, there's so many things that are very obvious, but it was completely not obvious in that moment. When I started the creator journey, I have to admit that it was, it was really hard. You know, back in 2014, as a podcaster, there wasn't a community where I can just be part of very easily, you know, whether it's men or women or, um, and it was hard to feel understood. I think that was really hard. And, um, but instead today, whatever you're trying to do, especially when it comes to being a, a video creator on YouTube or podcaster, there are just kind of infinite a number of communities that you can choose from, which can also make it harder. But when it comes to money, and I'm so glad we're able to really open that up is I learned that people developed in a tremendous amount of trust uh, with you, number one, through listening to you on a podcast, but even more so more quickly through videos. I have a lot more clients who hired me directly booking one hour sessions onto, you know, creating a uh, co-creating projects with me because of my YouTube channel. They see me. And on that note, you know, if you watch some of my videos today, you may be thinking, okay, she's comfortable. She's comfortable live streaming, creating videos. But I have a lot of embarrassing videos, which you can see, and I have not deleted from my channel from earlier on. If you sort of buy oldest first, I, I look at myself and I couldn't believe how nervous I was looking. Like, you know, maybe part of it is me judging my hair, how I'm positioned. Oh, that was a terrible camera choice. That was a bad angle. Lighting clearly didn't work. I was really stiff. Like you can see me centered, just my lips are moving. My body was very stiff, but I realized we all have to go through those moments and not a single client who have come to me and said, you know, you're really awkward in that video, but I decided to reach out and hire you anyway, that there is such a thing as once you choose to put yourself out there, you're already in the top 5%. Most people, according to even Gary Vee, to go to a conference and say, there are 10,000, 5,000, 10,000 people among the audience. I guarantee you only 3% will maybe take action. So if you decide to take action, you are miles ahead of everyone else. And um, it is so lovely to see Herman here as well. Yeah, Adam, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Yay! Yeah, I, I, I love Herman very, very much and hope we see him soon. I think that there are a couple of ideas that were very easy for me to hang on to about sort of you know, being judged by other people. And with sort of no callousness, I think the best idea is nobody cares, right? Mm -hmm. If you're silly and nobody cares as much as you do. So one thing that's that that really taught me that, 
maybe even painfully over the years is like growing up 20s and 30s and more having bad skin having a pimple mm -hmm. and you're like oh my god this is so awful and ugly and looks terrible and then i finally realized yeah it kind of is but literally nobody that has ever lived cares about it as much as you do like they might not like it they might not even think it's unattractive but the feeling you have about your own flaw is so much more juicy to you and so much more meaningful other people, they care about their own problems. So I think even psychology, there's a word for it called the other minds problem, which is that somebody else's feelings are just a just a passing thing. Your own are so intense. So your positive feelings that help you create a business or a service, those are valuable. Your feelings of self-doubt or not being attractive or not being smart or whatever your thing is, nobody cares, especially when you're starting out. You, you, you mess up the audio, you mess up the video. Nobody cares. And that that pain you have, nobody shares it. So just just keep rolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned skin problem that it already immediately resonated with with folks here. And, you know, and then the, the skin issue is a real deal because I'm going through some seasonal dry skin right now. I was thinking like the timing wise, it's this is the worst because I'm going live every day then, you know, and I have to be on Benadryl. Is it called Benadryl? Yeah. Every, every day this week right now, which gives me this level of dizziness. And I feel like my mind isn't as sharp, but I think, you know, speaking of content creation there, it's just like building muscles. It's like going to the gym every day or twice a week. By the time I committed to doing this, it frankly makes it so much easier. I had this idea of 30 day live as of two weeks ago, I quickly designed everything using Canva. You guys haven't checked out canva.com. Great tool. And I just decided to put some placeholder questions. So if you're watching this right now, you have questions about how to get started as a content, crea content creator or other topics I've mentioned before or, or even later on, just let us know. Um, you know. But I wanted to build a simple structure and I can move around as needed and just welcome that authentic conversation with my audience. And it really gives me an excuse to, to be able to do something outside of the YouTube algorithm, frankly, because I know what I'm known for, Zoom webinar, live streaming and all that, but I wanna be able to talk about strategies and how to really grow as content creators. Like th this ecosystem is much, much bigger than talking about a single tool or one, you know, the top three tips. It is so much juicier, like Adam said, it's so much bigger than that. Um, so I wanna define what it means to be a creator. What I want to really define what starting means. Um, in YouTube, uh, on the YouTube journey, people say, just hit record. I think from Think Media, and they say, hit record. Don't worry about over scripting. Don't worry about the perfect camera. Hit record. I want to add something to that. I really, really need you to hit launch. I need you to hit publish. I need you to publish something on an open public blog. YouTube.com, obviously that means unlisted videos, public videos, or launch your first, second, third episodes on a hosting platform. That's what I mean by starting. Starting is not about you know, writing in your own journal um, and saving all the blog posts and drafts. And I have spoken with clients and prospects who literally put all their audio files as drafts for years, sometimes six months, a year or more. They feel the content becomes irrelevant by the time they feel like they're finally ready. So I want to really firm up to say, make sure that you actually take actions as opposed to just thinking about something, archiving something. And I, I've seen that too. I've seen that even in the people that, so we, 
you know, Faye and I, myself through being a freelance software web developer and Faye through digital marketing have seen how it goes on behind the scenes. And the work that you see in, in the world is such a tiny percentage of the work that people do, but they have to do the other work. You know, every, you know, back to sort of guitar world, everybody started somewhere. You have to get the bad notes out. And there's an author, um, a different one that I've been uh, listening to recently and speaking with, and he was telling me that he went through the whole first chapter of a book and it's junk, but it's going to be great, but he's not showing it to anybody. It's just not ready. It's a bunch of stuff. And then before people see it, it's going to be wonderful. So I feel like that can work two ways too. Could not agree with Faye more that you have to just publish it. If you do find yourself somebody who just can't, who would just be thrown by the wayside if you can't publish it, put it up and lock it and you can unlock it later. Like we've, we work with people on websites and we said, look, just do the website of your resume and just put a password on it, but actually get it out. And then we'll address the issue later of when to turn the, turn the knob. So if at all possible, yes, just push it out there. And the people that we've had the sort of privilege to work with through phase world, they're the people who just do it, who just get out and do it. But mm -hmm. if you can't, at least write the 10 pages and then go back and edit it. Put up the website, put a password on it, and then the pulling the trigger can be a second second step. And if you never take it, you never get the feedback. You never get the love of people going, oh, my God, I found that. That meant so much to me, which is mm -hmm. really the fun part. Yeah, there are many easy ways to get started today. And we kind of define the hitting the publish part, but also... Oh, nearly everybody's on sort of some some sort of social media platform. And what I what we mean by starting is not simply just, you know, putting a heart, putting a like, or, you know, commenting something that that's great. But I think there's an opportunity for you to look at social media that you have today and think about what can you do more of, maybe on the particular platform. One of the common questions is, okay, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, YouTube Shorts, TikTok, it's overwhelming. Where should I get started validating some of my ideas? And I have something to say about that in just a second, is that it's okay and reasonable to ask yourself as the content creator, as the signal creator, where you would like to publish first and second, or maybe it's a single platform you want to focus on. Maybe there's a reason. I know some people really love Instagram. I have mixed feelings, right? And I also tried on TikTok and I have some mixed feelings. I tried Clubhouse is absolutely not for me. Um, you know, I was one of the, the first users uh, up there. For me, YouTube works. I love long form content, right? It's okay to be honest with yourself because even if you work with an expert or so such an expert told you so, you should be, you know, uh, everywhere all at once. It's okay for you to ask yourself what resonates with me? Which plat platform do I find myself opening, seeking ideas from? And so that's one thing I want to really address. It's okay to start small. Then secondly, finding your niche. I think the word niche is overused, and I would love to hear what Adam has learned over the years as well, is that, okay, finding your niche, where do you, where can you do the research? There are a lot of places where you can, uh, can look. Quora, uh, Q-U-O-R-A.com, Google Trends, which is free. Quora is also free. Even just a YouTube search bar, literally on YouTube search, for instance, during the pandemic, you found yourself needing to do a lot of things, learn a lot of things on your own, maybe changing your attire, maybe maybe find out what does that little, you know, light means on your old BMW. There are a lot of things that's self-taught. And those are the questions people are actually looking for. There are many more people have to learn how to navigate a lot of repair work in their own homes since 2020. And um, 
so there are a lot of tools, Facebook groups, don't, don't overlook Facebook groups. You probably belong to some of that for your town, for your city, for childcare. So there are a lot of knowledge you're accumulating, you're gathering more so than you know it. Absolutely. And I'll even, uh, you know, point to Faye that we had this conversation a while back where about 10 years after you'd started your digital marketing work, we were talking about project management. And you were mm -hmm. like, yeah, I don't know if, if that's really interesting to people. I'm like, I think you don't think it's interesting because you got so good at it that mm -hmm. when something feels effortless, it doesn't feel important. Mm -hmm. So sort of repeat what, you know, what I mentioned back then was to think about the difference between yourself at a time and another time. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get out of college, 2006, year that was, yeah. 2006, and then 10 years of work in that field. If you mm -hmm. sort of subtract 2010 Fay from 2016 Fay, what's the difference, right? Mm -hmm. What's that delta? Um, knowing how to do PM, knowing how to do be a producer, knowing how to work with teams, agile, scrum, uh, dealing with chaos. Mm -hmm. And then are there people who are at that point A that want to go to that point B? Can you show them? And I think everybody at every age has gone from those point A's to point B's and can lead those people. And we've done that when we t talk and work about working with new clients. You know, it sounds simplistic, but we've learned from, so I don't know if they can remember who, who thought of the idea. You take people from that point A to point D. What is our point A and what is our point B? So in, in mm -hmm. the digital marketing world, uh, people who have published something, maybe Faye has said, oh, put up 10 episodes of your podcast and then call us back because that will sort of weed out the people who can't get past the 15 seconds. And mm -hmm. then the point B is engagement enough that it pays your bills or engagement enough that it, that it inspires you. Uh, yeah. So I think to don't just look at what's hard for you. Maybe look at what's easy for you. Are there other people who want to do what you can do? And can you guide them? Then you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to have a college degree. Uh, but if you've taken that journey, you know, can you bring them along with you? Yeah. What a great question that just came through as we're talking about this. Um, so as a content creator, how do you make your content unique compared to everyone else's? It seems like content are quite quite repetitive these days. What a great question. I think the most obvious answer I can think of is you are the one who makes your content unique. It's very true. So kill a ghost. It's very true that content is very repetitive. Like let's start with Google search. If today I search for how to change my tire, there's going to be hundreds, thousands of videos. And some of those are probably very similar to one another. It all leads to the end result. But here are some variations. The length of the video, right? Um, what if I only have three minutes to deal with the issue? If I'm on the highway, my car breaks down, chances are I'm not going to watch a 20-minute video, right? I want to find the most, the crisp, the most crisp to the point videos, period. And not every creator can do that. And I will also, I want to mention the, the you part because that's something that so many creators neglect. Because when we start, we don't feel special, you know? We really don't. Who's special? Gary Vee special. Tony Robbins special. Look at them. Look at how slick everything. Look at the team that they have. It is hard to compare. It can, might feel really embarrassing. But what I have learned is even with my Zoom videos, I was certainly not the first. I was able to speak to a very unique audience in 2020, particularly the dance and fitness instructors. I helped them solve a very specific issue with Zoom. It's not just generally Zoom 101, how to use Zoom, but specifically how to resolve the audio syncing issue, audio issue for teaching fitness, which is not what Zoom is really designed for. One thing I learned from Sarah Cooper, something I'll never forget, 
um, she she was uh, in the Phase World documentary, and and she says something like, "Faye, it's impossibly impossible to be unique uh, these days." I I said, well, "What do you mean by that?" She's like, "Of course, everything has been done, but just just remember that it hasn't been done by you." Yeah, Adam, go ahead. What are your thoughts on this question? Yeah, totally agree with Faye. And also, I think it is a great question. And I think there's a couple reasons why content is all the same. One is people copying stuff, right? Copying other people's style. Mm -hmm. Two, people doing what they think people want. So whether it's Squid Games or Bitcoin or whatever the sort of thing du jour is, people that are chasing what they think a trend is. And then the flip side of that is, where are you spicy? Like either what wacky thing has happened to you or what part of yourself that when you share, people kind of light up. So I feel like it can be an emotional thing. It can be a, an issue of empathy or sensitivity to notice when you interact with people, what kind of lights people up about you? Uh, mm. what, you know, where kind of where's your funk? You know, mm. where, where's, where are you off the beaten path? And then what, what podcasting, what the web allows is you to find the people who want that. And one of the things I've, that I've really been proud of Faye and Faye's world is that when there's this huge amount of listening hours, not about being notable or whatever, but when we look and we go, I, I remember the statistic, I did the math a year ago or something, and it was that 11 people full-time, 24 hours a day had been watching Facebook YouTube videos. And mm -hmm. what I was happy about that is they could have just hit stop. So mm -hmm. people talk about audio and video being intimate. You see the person, you hear the person, but all they got to do to get away from it is just hit pause and go away. So I think that's what's important too, is that you're not chasing anybody down. You're not chasing them in an airport, right? And mm -hmm. trying to get them to contribute. Yeah. Um, you're you're letting them in and then the people who do choose to listen to your podcast, they want to. So you can be, you can relax and say they want to join with you on your on your uniqueness. Otherwise mm -hmm. they would have just gone somewhere else. And I would also like to add, um, as I'm hearing what you're saying is that I didn't know how I stood out. There are things where you hear from your parents, your friends, right? But what is the general public is going to resonate with your content for what reason? And so um, to this person's question also on the screen that I learned that I, you know, I study computer science. I used to be really intimidated by this whole, you know, like a ma male power kind of mansplaining situation. I came from that environment and I go on YouTube today and I see so many fancy, you know, tech tutorial personality. I mean, multiple uh, camera angle. They speak so fast. I'm like, oh, you know, I have to watch it have the speed and I don't even know what they're talking about. I actually produce a lot of Zoom live stream, how to YouTube, how to podcast videos. I felt at the beginning intimidated um, by the fact that I, didn't really sound like anybody else. But now when brands are reaching out to me to initiate what we call the brand deals and sponsorships, they found me because they say, you know what? I want you to talk about my products, my software, because I feel like you sound like you're talking to a friend. I'm sitting here. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just talking to you. I sometimes even share with you my own struggles to say, look over here. I wish that feature isn't there. It doesn't really work, right? Like I, now I have conversation with these brands to say, I'm struggling with this feature being here. I don't know what it's doing. And I really need that. And these conversations are super helpful. And people like that. Um, and they find it really soothing. It's the word I hear, like comfortable and soothing when they hear me uh, teach them something really new. They feel like I also just learned it. So I have what Adam called empathy to really kind of dive in a little bit deeper. So thank you so much for the 
question. Um, I know we usually don't go live for this long, but since I can see like a number of people staying on, I want to address something else. Um, Thank you, Malcolm, for coming back again. And I love just, you know, if at any time I stop sounding like a friend, please let me know because I certainly want to change that. I want to really um, address something else, which I think we heard from Dory Clark, is your role as a content creator. I hear this all the time. Oh, Faye, I've only been doing this for 10, 20, even 30 years. I don't deserve, I cannot write this blog article, this and that. And I think Dory says something that your role can be an expert, you can be a connector, or you can be a reporter. So Adam, do you mind elaborating on that a little bit, like what they mean in, in terms yeah, of so roles? That one was that we are huge friends and fans of Dory's. That was actually Tony Robbins and a gentleman he was on a on a video with whose oh, name is All right, I love me. crediting Dory but for it was, everything. It was, yeah, she's awesome. But it was for one of their courses, which I didn't join yet, um, but you can look them up. Uh, I'll think of his name later. We'll put it in the notes. So anyhow, he said that there are three ways that you can engage with people. As an expert, it's good in the sense that you feel like you know what you're talking about, but it could take a long time, 10, 20 years, right? And so if you've done that, it's time to, as Faye says, push, publish, share it with the world, but maybe not the best way to set off on a journey. Oh, I'm going to study for 20 years, then I'm going to start podcasting. Um, the second one is as a connector. Say, so, oh, I, I met this person who wants something. I met somebody who can provide that and you introduce them or you provide that service through somebody else. Um, and that can be great because you got no inventory and your ability to serve is unlimited, right? Anything ethical that you can get your hands on, you can bring those two people together. Reporter is really kind of face started sort of as an expert in digital marketing, but really as a reporter, as far as phase world goes. And that's wonderful because you're that person who meets Dory Clark, uh, Steve Shapiro, Chris Voss, Sarah Cooper, and a bunch of people who you haven't met before, you know, friends of ours that we've elevated through the platform and shared their ideas. And you can ask them questions that you want the answers to, share them with your audience. You just have to be a good listener and, and, and put up the video. You don't have to be an expert, so you can start right away. And then what happens over time, you become more expert by listening to all these people and getting these, these uh, sort of very intimate answers to their questions. And then we moved on to doing a lot of connecting. So yeah. I, if you had to pick one, I'd say reporter is the place to start. Mm. Yeah, reporter is a is not a trivial one necessarily, but it's very helpful. When I started as a podcaster, I would absolutely agree with Adam that my role was very much a reporter. I was doing a lot of interviews and I still do today. And to talk about other people's expertise, their origin stories, being able to make that connection. During and shortly after the show, the guest goes, you know, Faye, I want to introduce you to person A, B, and C. And, um, you know, maybe you want to interview them. Maybe you want to do business with them. Same thing for me. I am now in conversation with someone, maybe with Adam, maybe with someone else. And I go, you know what? It would be really great for you to meet, you know, person X, Y, and Z. And all of a sudden, you know, really is this network economy, but in a very curated way. We're not talking about going to, you know, a party in downtown, holding a glass of champagne and just start mingling with random people. Um, but this is very strategic. And, and that's one of the things that I, I really benefit um, a lot from. So I'm seeing um, I'm seeing some questions here from uh, Alexander. So uh, let me show that on the screen right now. Also, real quick, um, mm -hmm. Dean Graziano was the other gentleman's name. So if you want to find that video, it's Tony Robbins and Dean Graziano uh, Wonderful. advertising their course. Yeah. All right. Thank you for this question. I'm so glad you asked this question. If you're creating content, how do you predict the next trend or viral things? 
Um, and and there's a follow up to that, which is, and if you were chasing trends, what would the results uh, would be the result for one's channel? Um, so I'm gonna go back to the original question. Um, Adam, who should go first? So the, a couple thoughts on on you know with again with no passing it off. I think by definition you can't predict virality and you mm -hmm. can't predict trends. What I will do is steal an idea that I read from Futurism, which is basically just people whose job it is uh, to predict the future. And what they say is that you just go, you know, it used to be Japan, maybe now it's China, uh, could be, you know, Seattle, but you basically go to the place where people are doing new things and then bring them back and report on them. So just, it's less of a head scratcher and more of a get out into the world and, and see what things are happening. And also I wouldn't put kind of all your eggs in the trend basket, but there's a, another idea, which I didn't invent called newsjacking where mm -hmm let's say squid game it's or you know everyone's talking about it so you do a you do a uh episode hey this is why freelance you know software development is like squid game but then you sort of let it go so you don't really want to you know put all your mm -hmm. eggs in that trend basket because when it's not a trend anymore what do you do so i think newsjacking yes trying to catch that thing as your as your full-time gig maybe not yeah the trends are constantly moving so when it comes to content creation, uh, currently I'm working with a channel called Doctorpedia uh, on YouTube. I am basically their main and only YouTube strategist right now. I'm learning so much because when you think about trends for a medical channel, of course, COVID is huge, right? I'm even nervous mentioning that on this video because I know YouTube is going to demonetize it right away uh, as it's medicine related, but it's, it's normal. Within the pandemic COVID, what are the trends to break it down further is we recently have been approved for to get the booster shot. You know, before this, before the booster shots were kids over the age of 12 and then it was, were kids finally between the age of five to 11. So these are you know, newsjacking. These are trends that are surfacing very quickly. But if you're Alexander, if you're based in the U.S., you probably will also notice something that the moment where you know, that the trends are gone, everybody now has more or less have the booster shot. All of a sudden, nobody's talking about it anymore. Um, so that is something to pay attention to. Should you ride the wave? Should you have the expertise and talk about it? The answer is yes, but don't put all your eggs in, in one basket to think all of a sudden your channel might pivot to this certain direction. I'll use another example, thanks to Herman, if he's still listening right now, is that uh, a year ago, my channel had nothing to do, very little to do with personal finance. I would say like two, 3%. I'm very passionate about it, but I just never thought I was qualified to do it. And it was hard for me to pivot from content creation to personal finance. And so Herman reminded me that um, there was such a thing as, you know, a pandemic unemployment program in the United States based on people's income. All I did for that video, believe it or not, I opened up Wall Street Journal and uh, New York Times. I just basically highlighted those articles. It was a frankly, like a stupid screen recording. I was highlighting reading um, and then just reading the article. I wasn't trying to act as if I'm a lawyer, attorney or accountant or anything. I always, you know, as a YouTuber, warn people to say, make sure you talk to the responsible party, which is hard to do during the pandemic. And those websites, the PUA websites were difficult to navigate. All of a sudden, those videos that I created were getting 10, 20, 30,000 views. So it, it was once again, don't... Um, kind of put all your hope into creating one video. Remember, consistency is king or queen if you play chess. And 
consistency is everything because you really don't know which one's going to take off. And by putting more content out there, you have a much better chance to to ride the, the algorithm wave, so to speak. Yeah, I would definitely echo that. I think anyone who has put out content would agree. Uh, There's a gentleman named Scott Hanselman, who's a technology educator, works for Microsoft and all around great guy that everybody loves. And he wrote about how which one of his articles was popular or well-known or well-appreciated. He's like, I never would have guessed. And I'm nodding my head off while Faye is saying that because I think anyone, you, you, you need 50 or 100 to really get noticed on YouTube. But which one of the things you do, which joke you tell is really going to land which you know which concept is going to catch on nobody knows and that's the reason you got to just keep keep putting it out there mm -hmm. absolutely and i think um if there's no other takeaway other than putting you know put in your hours keep it consistent and um is to keep things simple if you're a youtuber to get started on youtube don't worry about the fancy camera get started just with your phone with your ipad whatever device you have in your hand frankly the phones are not cheap these days and it comes with these killer you know 4k cameras on your iphone alone it could even be an older phone it worked really well if you have your you know right now i'm using this 99 logitech hd camera a lot of people create popular content using this so don't underestimate and we're you know don't don't overestimate um the quality of the products to to start off with I also want to say, keep your software simple, please. You know, when I start talking about live streaming, I hear all the time people want to, even I personally invested in this 4K camera. I have to get a special dongle for another $200 so it can transfer the highest quality. I might even try that during my 30-day live. But just keep it simple. You know, keep your software simple, knowing that when you start, you're not going to have, most of us won't have the budget to hire a co-host, um, a producer, an editor. So keeping things things simple, what I call like sort of the um, capsule software approach, like a capsule wardrobe is tremendously helpful. Um, keeping the scheduling simple too. Um, one thing I invested in, uh, it's called Acuity Scheduling. Some of you are using Calendly. I think about how to streamline the process. If I were to invite guests onto my show, I send Calendly or Acuity scheduling link to them. And on top of that, you know, I've configured my schedules to know when I'm available. I ask them to submit all their information prior to scheduling time with me, including their, uh, their bio, their headshot, their social media links, all of these things. And it saves so much time. But optimizations can only be built in over time, you're gonna stumble on different hurdles and just don't blame yourself, right? Take that self-shaming out of the equation, knowing that you have to you have to learn your own way. No matter how many thousands of dollars you spend on online courses, following the experts, even listening to this, you're going to make some mistakes and that's absolutely okay. And yeah, a thought that's always comforted me is if people want it, you know, so-called right or beautiful, they'll go somewhere else. Like if they want to hear perfectly produced music, they'll go to Spotify. If they want to see a Hollywood movie, they could turn on Star Wars or Dune or whatever. So when you're producing your video, again, it's a sort of a yin yang. You, you want to do your best. You do want great audio quality. You do want good video quality as an ongoing thing. But while you're chasing that goal of quality, realize, and this is another uh, word that I learned from Stephen Shapiro. I asked him about his writing. It's an author that, I, that I'm working with on some software. He said, I'm not a writer. I'm an author. Like people come to me for authority. I, I try to pick the best words, but I don't I don't think of myself as the guy with the absolute 
you know, perfect mm -hmm. spelling, best grammar, most compelling writing. I'm here to help my clients and mm -hmm. writing is a way to do that. So while you're trying to look good, sound good and have everything be super high quality, which should be a, a constant improving process, realize mm -hmm. that if they really wanted perfectly mixed audio and hundred million dollar video, they would just go to HBO or Spotify. So they're here for, you know, back to kill a ghost. Um, they're here for your perspective. What makes you special? What makes you spicy? And that's what they're going to stick around for is that kind of DIY feeling, not necessarily perfection. And that could just be an excuse for not starting back to the 15 seconds. Exactly. Um, so another question came in and I, I like what you're asking here because it's actually relevant in terms of YouTube strategy as well as TikTok. TikTok is getting very popular. So the question is, would you say YouTube's algorithm is harder to attract and to build traction versus TikTok's algorithm? Again, I think it has something to do with how you are. Like for instance, for me, I'm definitely a YouTuber first, but one thing you wanna pay attention to is this new feature still in beta called YouTube Shorts with an S and content that are uh, under 60 seconds. It's something that you can post and only post natively through your YouTube mobile app. Now that feature is now competing with TikTok. As we all know, TikTok only allows, I think TikTok now allows uh, shorter content up to three minutes. I only noticed that recently. So in terms of algorithm, YouTube Shorts is very, very powerful. And I will also say that YouTube recently invested $100 million to award YouTube Shorts creators clearly to compete with TikTok. With that said, what about regular YouTube videos compared to TikTok? Yeah, it's a TikTok is a little bit easier in terms of just regular videos because how the alg algorithm works is it's going to send to, I believe, the first 500 people and depending on their organic reaction interaction with your TikTok content, it then determines whether you know, it's the platform is going to send it to more people. Doesn't quite work the same way on YouTube. So it is very easy to, to feel deflated on YouTube at first. Something might get three views, five views. You can see, and I've seen clients' channels, you can see the hard work they put in. You see single digit views. Whereas on TikTok, I put something random on, on there. It almost always gets like hundreds of views, right? But um, this goes back to our earlier questions. Like, where do you want to devote your time? It is a commitment. So for me, with full transparency, what I do now is I love creating long, longer form educational content. That may be four or five minutes. That may be eight to 12 minutes. Then I find the best bits under 60 seconds to repurpose them to be YouTube shorts. And if I feel like it, I might also publish them on TikTok because the work is already done. So I guess I'm answering this question in multiple dimensions that how can you get the most mileage out of your content, which is something I truly believe in, is content repurposing. On your own, leverage, maximize your time. If you have a virtual assistant, if you have a content editor, I'm all for it. Hiring help, I'm all for it. I have a separate dedicated live stream to talk about how to hire, how to write your job description, how much it costs very affordable, get someone to help you to repurpose your content and trust the people that you hire. And this one was actually one that we can correctly attribute to Dory. Um, mm -hmm. We were at a Dory book signing event, which was fun. We met a cool people we're still in touch with. And somebody asked her the question, how do you do so much? I mean, you're a superwoman, how do you do it? And she said, everything I do is many things. She mm -hmm. said, so if I'm coming here to this thing, I'm meeting new people, I'm speaking about what I care about and, and listening to people's reaction and seeing what people groove to. Like they say, you're recording an audio, but you also do an audiogram and maybe that goes on mm -hmm. uh, Instagram. So each thing can have a multi multiple platforms and multiple uses. Uh, we got into transcripts. 
uh, for accessibility, but also for SEO. So I think that's the way is that if everything is only one thing, it's exhausting. But mm-hmm. if every time you engage, you think so, you know, somebody invites you to do a talk, you say, can I have non-exclusive rights to the recording? Is it okay with you if I publish the recording? Because sometimes if you wait mm-hmm. them to publish it, they might not. So any opportunity where you can get many, many uses and reach new people. Mm-hmm. For sure. Great question. And um, yeah, this is a popular question. Uh, we only touched the surface. Uh, should you be concerned about you know which platform to focus on first due to the popularity, traffic, and algorithm? And you know, personally, I've, I'm lucky enough to have been a little bit deeper uh, into my journey. I started Face World for a timeline perspective, and uh, really, Face World podcast started in 2014. That's seven years ago, and my company, full time freelancer plus creator, since January 2016. So I learned a lot of lessons along the way, and now, and on top of that, I have a better understanding of who I am as a creator and who I'm trying to attract. You know, there were a lot of assumptions earlier on, so I can basically say with confidence, knowing the type of person creator I am and my audience, YouTube is currently my best bet. And I really hope that goes on and lasts for a long time, frankly. But if you are getting started, you're just starting out, like you don't really know what's going on. Um, by the way, I I do have a tool, uh, which I'm going to make sure to include a link after we conclude here. I started something called Face World Academy. It's actually in the description, wherever you are watching this, there's a link called, you know, faceworld.podia.com. That's Face World Academy, where I listed a how to evaluate social media platforms for yourself. And I was being very frank about asking yourself which platform you like to begin with. Think about like, which, you know, where do you find yourself spending time on? And there's a reason, maybe it's TikTok, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's Facebook. So that is important. What comes natural to you? And generally speaking, people say that TikTok is geared towards teenagers. And my friends in their 20s say, I'm too old for that. Not necessarily. There are hashtags and people called, I think, TikTok Gen Z, Gen X, they're on there, you know, and it really has very little to do with age sometimes. Um, it's about the core audience you're trying to reach. And once again, with content repurposing, you can put the same piece of content on multiple platforms, but more than once, maybe consider 10 pieces of different content. You put it on, let's say, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, and you can come back and look at the analytics altogether. And don't worry about the vanity metrics as as much, right? How many likes, loves, but look at the comments, guys. Look at how many people shared it with other people. Look at how many people actually commented and asked questions. I think comments and shares are super powerful. That's somebody who didn't just stop at watching, engaging. They want to share some with someone else. I noticed another trend on YouTube. I couldn't, I totally stopped paying attention to this because in the US, like we don't really use WhatsApp as much. It's like, I always thought it was kind of an overseas, like European thing. I noticed so many of my YouTube videos got reshared through WhatsApp. Can you imagine like talking to someone and then like my video is shared there? And so those are very signaling in terms of which platform will suit you the best. So I hope that's that's a long-winded answer. Yeah, I feel like you you definitely want to take any free benefit, but also back to what's sort of become a theme of don't rely on it. Because if you, let's say, build a business and it's based on Facebook and it grows and grows and grows, and you might come to some large dollar number that it's bringing every month. Somebody wakes up the next morning, change the algorithm. Now you're out of business. Mm-hmm. So I keep promising, okay, I'm going to write an article. I'll just say the word now and not have to write the article, which <laughs> is um, winds are blowing. I always think of the ocean and the winds are blowing in the ocean. 
And some people would put up a sale and sail for fun or, or for commerce, who knows, but let's just say for fun. So where are those winds blowing? Uh, organic SEO is, is an example. Like People are searching for stuff. If that wind is blowing, you can put up a sale. Absolutely do that. But also you can't rely on that because they will take it away from you, which is why you know, I have a website, fullstackdeveloper.com. You can go if you want to check that out. Faye has a website. People would say, some people would say, oh, web is passe. You know, you have to be on those platforms. But nobody's taking phaseworld.com away. And nobody's taking fullstackdeveloper.com away. So while, you, while you're uh, being a windmill, to extend the metaphor, and creating electricity out of that free asset, that wind, those things that are happening in the world, also mismatch that in your own mind by saying, when that bit flips, when that programmer decides to to change the rules, and again, it's their party, they can, mm-hmm. where am I going to be? And you have to be able to kind of keep rolling, which is another good reason to sort of to spread your bets. And it's great to use a platform, but don't 100% rely on it because they will change. Mm-hmm. And what I just did in the comments, and that which was automatically posted to YouTube and Facebook, is I said, join us on Facebook. I started a group in 2015 called Creator creative entrepreneurs, actually. And then just kind of encouraging people to join us to share your questions, whether it's YouTube or podcasts or blogging. And there are no silly questions. You'll realize that I, I love the fact that people are on different parts of their journey. Some people have written a book and started a YouTube channel, started a podcast. But the beauty was like, we all started different things at different times. And we're able to help each other out. And um, also in this group, we're kind of quote unquote, trained professionals. I don't mean that we're all experts, but we're trained in a way coming from Seth Godin's L10BA, coming from Dory Clark's group. We know how to provide feedback. So it's never about shutting down your questions to say, how could you all, you should have known better. It's none of that. It's about asking the right questions for you to really think it through to make sure you're not alone on that journey. So uh, absolutely. And um, let's see. And uh, there's one more. This is like the longest live stream I've ever done. And uh, thanks for everyone's great questions for Adam's patience. I know a lot of the content creators beg users to engage with our channels by sharing, commenting, instead of begging, is there an alternative method to do this, to have the same purpose? And yeah, I, I let me just say, first of all, never ever do sub for sub. What it means is going to these Facebook groups or, or begging other creators. I mean, these Reddit groups to say, if I subscribe to your channel, will you subscribe to mine? Never do that. It's it's complete waste of time, frankly, because you want the people who truly resonate uh, with and respect and really enjoy your content to be part of your tribe. I think the number of followers or subscribers, so-called on YouTube, is overrated anyway. Uh, subscribers, a lot of them inherently very, d- people like to say disloyal. It's not that. It's like everybody subscribed to so many channels. Uh, there's just no way for us to really watch all the content. Um, so yeah, the vanity metrics, once again, just be very careful. Um, but there are better ways to engage with your um, su- subscribers or viewers. Keep in mind, a lot of viewers are not your subscribers. What I always say is, hey, it's Faye from Face World Media. I give them a reason. I created this channel to help content creators like yourself, you point to the camera, to turn their body of knowledge into scalable income streams. So, um, you know, I say that up front. You know what? If you could, if you want to subscribe, if you find this helpful, please subscribe. If you don't, that's okay. Or give this video a thumbs up or down, letting me how I can improve it. Asking that question as opposed to like me, subscribe, please. You know, I need this. I need to monetize my channel. Um, so you can ask a question instead. Um, so Adam, any any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say do ask. Uh, so we have another friend, Michael Roderick of Small Pond, uh, wrote a newsletter they read this morning. And I mm -hmm. think it was pretty in pink. He referenced Ducky, uh, who was the friend who's always sort of, you know, from, uh, from the movie, like the best friend who never gets the date. Uh, because he doesn't ask, right? He just he just hangs back and is hopes that someday it'll it'll land in his lap, which it doesn't. Um, so I do think ask, give it a present moment. Be you know to use that phrase, be present that moment, but then move on. So I do think mm -hmm. with YouTube, please like and subscribe because I do forget even with all the YouTube I watch. That said, move on, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the other things. And another sort of mismatch thought about why not to beg for likes because other people are going to buy them anyhow. Right. Why it's not worth doing the sub for sub thing is because somebody's going to buy a thousand, ten thousand, fifty thousand Insta or YouTube subscribers anyhow. So you're wasting your time. Yeah. And another thing we learned at um, Podcast Movement was depending on what you're doing, 10 or 20 people might be enough. Like mm -hmm. if you're trying to be the next Tim Ferriss or whoever, yeah, you might need a hundred thousand, a million, uh, two million subscribers. But if you're trying to get the attention of car buyers in Natick, Massachusetts, 10 or 20 mm -hmm. coming into that car dealership might be more than enough to make your uh, native car car enthusiast podcast worthwhile. So what are you trying to achieve? A handful of, of the right people could be more valuable than, you know, what Faye talks about, vanity metrics, numbers that really mm -hmm. just don't mean anything. Then mm -hmm. literally 100,000 people that are just, just hitting a button versus people that really want to get into it with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I display the, you know, the the, the guru's uh, statement here, Herman, uh, my producer on FaceWorld uh, YouTube channel, documentary podcast for, ye for years and years. And also Herman works with me on a number of my clients' projects as well. And this is great reflection, something that we learn over the years. Never, ever rely on any single platform will be tied to any algorithm. We jokingly say that the YouTube algorithm is like this robot. It literally is the robot we're trying to please. And I say that also I'm currently working with part of the YouTube team on one of my projects. And frankly, nobody knows. Um, that's just, just reality. And it could change. Even if you know some secret person who can tell you and explain to you what the algorithm is, it could change tomorrow. So I dare to say that. Be your own platform. You are the platform. People come to you because of who you are, the way you are, how sophisticated you are, the things that we can't even put on paper, right? So uh, be you, create your own platform, own your content. Um, having a website is great. Having your content, speaking of backed up somewhere, guys, if you're publishing on, uh, you know, your podcast content, YouTube, make sure you save those videos somewhere else on Dropbox, and then back it up using, um, what is it, Backblaze? Yeah, back up your content. And, you know, so yeah, these are great. Oh my God, more questions even uh, came in. Let's see how much of this we can answer today. If one of your videos starts to spike or go viral, how do you keep the ball rolling? Great questions, I can answer that. If you are going to switch to a different topic, how you pivot without losing your followers. My God, kill a ghost. So you have some of the best questions here for sure. And thank you for uh, helping us like pinpoint these situations. And, and thank you for the replies from our other viewers. And I love seeing people helping one another, by the way. So very simple. 
Um, one of my latest videos on YouTube is called the one thing you need to know about going viral or growing on YouTube. It takes literally one video. And I can tell you exactly which video that is for me from March, 2020, the video I said with a thumbnail, I'm not even on that thumbnail says, uh, how to teach zoom on zoom, how to teach Zumba on zoom, very niche, very specific. After I released that video, it went from day one, 700, 1400. And, and then for the following weeks, it was growing basically a thousand views every single week. Oh, even some days, a thousand views every single day. And um, to a degree that were, I, I was, you know, I still am a Zumba enthusiast and I will hop on these Zoom dance calls and the instructor's like, oh my God, you're Faye from Faye's World. And it was really interesting to be recognized in such a small niche community. And I would say that once you have that takeoff video, not millions of views, but hundreds, maybe thousands of views, you're going to see all the comments, hundreds and hundreds of comments. It was so overwhelming. People are saying, oh, you did. You said this. What about this? I also need to know uh, specifically, right? I taught people how to use audio with Zoom. And people say, what if I need to wear a headset? I, I need an audio interface. How do I do that? Where do I buy these audio interfaces? Was beyond my wildest imagination. And from those comments alone, Killer Ghost, I, I was able to create a, I think a dozen or so follow up, like follow up videos and prioritize them based on the, you know, how, how repetitive I've seen those questions, knowing that there's a need. And each and every one of those videos took off just as much. It was crazy. So pay attention to comments. Um, how do you pivot without losing some of your followers? You're going to lose some of the followers for sure. And for me, I did a couple of things. But between pivoting from Zoom, I'm not going to be the only Zoom meeting, Zoom webinar person, YouTuber on my channel. I said, hey, guys, I did a new welcome video. Thank you so much for being here for the past year. I'm here to let you know that I'm still going to create Zoom videos, but I'm also going to create uh, YouTube podcasting videos and teaching you how to be a content creator to own your platform. And thank you and for allowing me to do that. This is really important as part of my journey. And I really hope that you'll come along but not everybody's going to come along. That's okay. So feel free to announce it to your followers. And, um, you know, and also in that in-between time, right? Like instead of dropping your old popular content instantaneously, because you might still want to write the algorithm, it's to slowly pivot to new topics. Um, so that that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And if also, if you Google Faye, uh, that I've seen a couple of uh, sort of steps in that journey that she didn't have uh, time to point out. One is that we went from, or she went from that video about Zoom to we still have, I think, a 13, 1400 person Facebook group. So mm -hmm. that kind of, that kind of, kind of migrated to another platform that's still going where people ask and answering questions. Another thing mm -hmm. is to ask yourself either what else do you have to offer that people might want or what do your people need? Faye has been involved lately at a lot of very high-end live stream webinars mm -hmm. where people saw her and said, oh, can you host this? Can you produce this? Can you do the technology part of this? So you can speak to that. But that's looking, it's, you know, looking in the rearview mirror, it's a natural progression from digital producer to helping our friends, our close friends who are here today, uh, Zumba mm -hmm. instructors uh, spin their livelihoods back up when COVID first hit to producing sort of national and even international webinars because uh, it's something that she has and something that they want. It's really just matching those two things together. What do you have to provide that people can't get somewhere else? I think that's where, frankly, that's where money comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, things that people really know they need, they know they want, and they can't get it. If they don't get it from you, then they pay for it. And mm -hmm. that's, that's sort of how it's gone looking back. Yeah. I mean, so many wonderful questions and 
And thank you so much, uh, Penny, Boy Stock Alerts, also reply to uh, a lot of the questions from Kill a Ghost. And I love reading these usernames, by the way, from, uh, from uh, you know, our chat. We can do a like little chat overlay here. Uh, did it not work today? Oh, I thought it would be working, but uh, I'm gonna try again. I don't know why this doesn't work today. Um, anyway, I'll have to let Restream know about this. But I really want to thank everybody for joining. I know this was a longer live stream. If you miss parts of it, uh, please know that it's going to stay on my channel on YouTube, LinkedIn, all of that. And also in the link in the description below, I talk about, you know, Face World Academy. I talk about all 30 day live that I will be releasing every single day at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there's going to be one for tomorrow as well. And we don't wait uh, to talk about like health insurance, taxes, uh, how to start an email list, when you should start thinking about courses and, and all that. And um, I really want to appreciate you guys for being here. What I'm doing right now is like what, what YouTube says, don't say that. And women say, thank you for being here. Everybody just like drops off, off right away. <laughs> but I really appreciate you guys for choosing to, to stay with us. And um, uh, you bet there's going to be a follow-up video at the end of the 30 day, maybe even a weekly basis to show you guys like the growth by using Livestream to grow my audience I am barely active on Instagram. And after one day, I was able to reach like 300% more of the people. I don't even know how that works. So um, thank you so much for tuning in. Malcolm, you've stayed on for so long. I really appreciate you um, being here with us and everybody who has a question now or later will monitor comments. And please know that we're here to, we're here rooting for you and just keep on creating. I'll see you next time. See you tomorrow in 24 hours. Bye, 23.